Now, we will start with this story that uh, was broken by Chris Cook in the Racing Post about Freddie Talitsky and Graham Gibbons. Freddie Talitsky, whose uh, injury was a um, catastrophically life-altering one at Kempton, and he is taking legal action against uh, Graham Gibbons, whose horse came across, and um, it is alleged that that is the reason why Freddie Talitsky uh, ended up with the injuries that he had, Dave. It's a, a very unusual, uh, it's a sad case, but one that could have interesting ramifications. It is, and it, and it, it may well have, as you say, uh, extreme ramifications. This this relates to a race on the 31st of October 2016 at Kempton Park. I was actually working for uh, Racing TV that afternoon with Rishi Passad, and uh, there was a, a four-horse pile-up. Jim Crowley... Steve Drown, Ted Durkin. Jim Crowley suffered a broken nose. Uh, Freddie Tillitsky, as, as we know, uh, was uh, has been wheelchair bound as a, as a result of that. Um, and the uh, the case will be that uh, Freddie Tillitsky called to Graham Gibbons uh, during the the middle part of that race uh, mm. to warn him that that he was being squeezed for room. Um, it's going to take place, I think five days have been set aside uh, at the end of November, on November the 29th. Uh, we can say that, obviously, Graham Gibbons' problems with alcohol have been well documented. He, he, he received a 16-week a prison sentence for uh, a drink-driving drink offence in uh, September 2019. We, it's also a, a matter of fact that... No, no blame was apportioned by the stewards of the British Horse Racing Authority. So, as you say, the, the, what is particularly interesting throwing this forward is that if there is a precedent for uh, something like ne negligence in, in future, then we can probably expect more of the same. Benoit de la Sayette um, sprung to prominence before even he'd had his first ride on turf, which was a winning one in the Lincoln last weekend. He was brilliant in the Lincoln, so was Hakiki. Then there was a really unfortunate postscript to this, uh, Dave. I, I, almost to the point where I didn't want to talk about it, but... Yeah, this was on Tuesday afternoon when uh, a video was put on social media. Yes, social media again. Uh, where, where again, when we're dealing with, uh, as we do almost on a weekly basis, with uh, racism directed at footballers, I, I've said a, a, loads of times, and everybody else has too, that surely social media can be more strictly regulated with who is allowed to hold accounts and, mm. and the, the documentation you have to produce in order to do it. But this was a, um, a party in 2019, Benoit de la Sayette was 16. Uh, cocaine was being snorted nearby. And I think that the implication from the person posting the video that in some way this was a, a celebratory party after yeah. after Hakiki's victory at Doncaster. Um, full credit to the, the Professional Jockeys Association who acted very swiftly with this uh, and very publicly as well. Um, I suppose it teaches us something that, again, we already know that Everybody, um, everybody has a, a a movie camera about their person these days. But then, even if you're not doing anything wrong, and as was said by the BJA, uh, Benoit de, de la yeah. does not take cocaine, then you can be you can be caught uh, on the periphery of this, and this can be yeah. used against you. And I, and I think you know 
be careful of that is 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 bogus advice in a way. You know, yeah. everybody's got a, a set of kitchen knives, but it doesn't mean that anyone deserves to be stabbed. No, and, uh, as I say, that, that even when you're not doing anything wrong, yeah. you, you know, there is uh, there is the ability to film you and present yeah. it in a in an editorially slanted way. Let's uh, talk about the affordability checks. That, that would just never it just never gets removed from this list. The word affordability, but that that is because there is normally a another little mini chapter each week. This week, there's been a biggish chapter, courtesy of Entain, the parent company of Labrix Coral. Yeah, th uh, and I, I, a chapter that took the story in a different direction as well, Nick. This because I think that uh, most of us in horse racing have, have um, spoken against affordability checks that uh, that they are um, a, a, an intrusion into our lives that uh, is unnecessary unwelcome that obviously it will cost the industry that we work in too which is a, a secondary consideration because welfare has to be uh, at the top of the list but as you say Labrooks and Coral's uh, parent company Entain have said that they will be introducing their own affordability checks and I think this is a although I was surprised when I read it I think that this is a very canny move on their part because one of the things that the uh, when when the gambling commission comes up with its findings as to what further restrictions should be replaced on people's ability to gamble one of the primary things that it's looking at is the industry's ability or inclination mm. to regulate itself and so if you have a, a, a huge company like this with, with two of the best known names in bookmakers who are saying right we, we're happy to do this we're happy to go along with this we agree with it we think it's for the benefit of our customers uh, then it's a very interesting uh, departure, as you say, we have a there's a, a new chapter on this every week. Mm. But this is a one that that took us in a, in a direction that I think very few of us were expecting. Well, that was this week's um, news on affordability checks. On to a, a related theme and starting prices. Now, on this program about a year ago, uh, when COVID restrictions had just come in and we were just on the cusp of getting back to to racing again, Bernard Donahue, Lord Donahue, uh, chairman of the Starting Price Regulatory Commission, said that. It was likely that moving forward, even when on-course books did return to the racecourses, uh, the SP would be formulated by activity off-course. And they were looking to find a way of, of on-course bookmakers making a contribution to that SP calculation. It seems that they've come down to sort of a 12.5% contribution, something like that. But by and large, he was right. As expected, it'll be formulated largely off-course. Now, what are the pros and cons for the punter, importantly, here, Dave? Right. Well, the cons, if you back horses towards the head of the market, which mm. most of us do, the cons are for you because you're going to get less for your money, worse value. So most punters will be worse off. If you are a punter who looks at these 80 to 1 shots yeah. that go in uh, now and again when they would maybe ordinarily be 33s, 33s 25s, yeah. then you're going to be better off. So most punters will be worse off. Uh, Colin Horde of the um, the Horse Race Betters Forum has been ha has expressed concerns about this and and is right to do so because as I say most people the the the, the overround remains the same but that's because you've 
ex you've added a bit to the outsiders, the outsiders and you, you've chiselled a bit um, off those horses towards the head of the market. There is a, there is a, a, out of darkness cometh light, and there is a possibility through this that the on-course market can become or mm. work towards becoming a vibrant marketplace that is different to the uh, to the marketplace through which the SPs are returned. I remember very, very vividly Dawn Approaches Derby, Barry Dennis going, I think, 11 to 8, 6 to 4, much bigger than the, than the pitches around him. Yeah. Barry's booming voice inviting everybody. And I stood there transfixed Come for 10 racing. minutes uh, as people waded in with their bets. Of course, Dawn Approach didn't stay, expertly handled by Jim Boulder to win at Royal Ascot uh, after Epsom, of course, the Guineas winner as well. And Barry said afterwards it, it took him uh, two supermarket carrier bags to put all the dough in. There you go. So there may be a silver lining here for the, uh, for the on-course bookmakers. Let's talk about Kazoo's sponsorship of the Derby. Kazoo, the online car retailer, uh, a, a market disruptor, as our colleague uh, Lydia Hislop put it to me this week, in a positive sense. Um, a company that has you know, really come in and made a, a big impression, has got a big sports portfolio already. Their CFO is Stephen Marana, formerly of, uh, of Betfair. Kazoo. <laughs> this is a, was an astonishing reaction to, to this story this week, and an astonishingly negative story. When you look at, a, at a, a sponsorship, the first thing to do, surely, well, you look at the company, Kazoo is a, a young and expanding brand. I'm really sorry that I called it a care, an online care retailer uh, in the mirror this week. <laughs> it was a slip of the fingers. I do apologise. I need online care sometimes. Online care. Um, but um, it's worth seven billion quid. It's a young progressive company look at the people that look at the, the concerns that um the derby is is rubbing shoulders with aston villa outside the top six one of the most marketable team brands if i can put it that mm. way jack Grealish, uh, who should be playing in england's midfield but doesn't always a, a very a, 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 a much written about football team and a a, a, a reawakening uh, giant uh cricket's 100 ball, the 2020... Mm -hmm. 100 the 100. Balls, the 100, 100 exactly. Yeah. Um, World Cup, the Rugby Union World Cup as well. So we're in really good company here. It, it, it astounded me. It's, it's, of course, it, when you say the kazoo derby, you think of those... Things sober seem better than that on the, um, uh, the, the final factor. But we, we think of that, and so it sounds a bit odd. But... Again, this is a this is a brand that is looking to young people. What's the biggest problem in racing? It's that we're not getting young bums on old seats. It, it, it's a really good sponsorship. It's a very good partnership. This I imagine that Kazoo will market the Derby with energy. They'll probably go near the line as well, which is another a good thing, as you know, Paddy Power always do and stuff like that. Mm. I think it's a, it's a really good partnership with. And I, I just could not understand uh, the naysaying this week at all. Don't get it. Do you want to talk about the jockey's title? Yeah, well, funnily enough, yes, I do. Good, because it's on that <laughs> list, so you've got two minutes to talk about right. it. Well, regular viewers will know that I think that talk of jockey's titles is normally about as interesting uh, as watching paint dry. But in this case, and we've got... What have we got? We've got 
three weeks, mm. haven't we, till the end of the season. And it's really a very, very interesting battle between Brian Hughes, the reigning champion, and Harry Skelton, who, of course, has made serious inroads and actually hit the front, I think, uh, with a trep on a four-timer at uh, Southall this week before Brian Hughes drew level. The current score is 132-131 in favour of the incumbent. Yesterday, Brian Hughes had a double at Carlisle and Harry Skelton had Vision de Puy at Haydock Park. So, uh, obviously, uh, Harry can rely on his brother Dan to give him loads mm. of firepower, but hasn't relied exclusively on it this week. Um, not all of his 11 winners since Monday came uh, from his brother. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Have they, have they dropped Harry Cobden now? I think they have, yeah. I think, think it's going to be... Uh, it, it's going to be very difficult for Harry Cobden. I, I, it's, this isn't going to be one of those cases, I don't think, where the two leaders um, soften each other up and uh, Harry Cobden comes forward and seizes the crown. I think this is going to be between those two. And if uh, Harry Skelton manages it, and he's, I think he's about two to one on for his first title, what an incredible journey that's been. From hasn't seven it? winners in yeah, a season. when he thought... At one point. I, I remember... After uh, at Sandown, after all mankind uh, had won and Politologue uh, at Sandown in, Dece in December, when he said, I thought the world had ended that year, I didn't know what I was going to do. Now he's riding grade one winners and he's the odds on favourite to get his hands on the title for the first time. So, jockey's title, interesting shock. Right, microshares. Balco de Flo is now owned in preparation for the Grand National by a new syndicate called Racehorse Club, offering microshares in the horse. And they have also bought a portion of Potter's Corner, and they're offering shares in that as well. In a moment, I'll be speaking to Max Pimlock, their racing manager. Never have I received so much traffic in my inbox as on this subject this week from disgruntled members of the public and or members and controllers of other syndicates, Dave. You can deduce for yourself what's motivating that, but this has not gone down exclusively well. No, and in a broader sense, another thing that's happened this week, just away from the, the, this story, is that the BHA have announced... Syndicate regulation. Syndicate regulation, yeah. which, was, which was welcomed by uh, the Racehorse Syndicate Association. As a result of COVID-19 and the recession that is going to follow... People will be poorer, and so the the way whereby people own horses, syndicates, in theory, will be more commonplace because obviously people have got less money to spend, so more of them need uh, to club together in order to uh, purchase horses and to have them trained. We're gonna—I know we're gonna discuss um, this in in greater detail shortly, but. In terms of, in general, as, as, a, as a mathematical rule, the more people that own a particular horse, in theory, the, the worse value it is, if you like, that they're paying more, and if you add up all those sums, then it, it, it tends to dwarf what we perceive to be mm. uh, the market value of the horse. But, yeah, we will... Uh, well, we're going to discuss this in a few seconds' time, aren't we? I mean, do you have a kind of instinctive view on whether you like mass syndication M or not M well uh, i'm uh, 
in answering that, I'm, I'm going to have to say I'm the wrong person to ask because I go to the race course, I can go to the paddock, I, I, can, I, I have a, mm. uh, a, 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 the privilege of being involved with uh, horse racing uh, fairly intimately and, of course, I like to bet so I can have an interest in a, a horse and, and cheer him or her to victory by placing a bet as long as they win. Dave, thank you very much. Those were this week's Talking Points.